The estate planning team is an Ohio-registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, Mark. Welcome. You found Financial Food for Thought. We've got Kara Waddell and Mark Donnelly. And Carrie, a lot of... Uh, I'm going to start with our President of the United States. Be careful with your... Which one? He, he must have The been, real one? Or I no? think Joe Biden was listening to our show last week. Okay. Because remember, we were asking why... You know, what was this big issue that the... Extended unemployment benefits was keeping people from going into work, right? right? And we saw how some of the governors from the states right. were saying, we're going to stop the unemployment. We're not, we're right. going to opt out of the federal additional unemployment. Right. Our own governor, DeWine, this week also said that, you know, as far as of June 26, he's cutting off the additional. Right. Order. To get right. people back to but work. But our point we were talking about last week on the show was, well, I thought the rule was if somebody offered you work, you had to take it or you forfeit your unemployment. I think it's different under COVID well, because if people don't want to go back. economic plan is working. U.S. President Joe Biden on Monday defended his strategy to grow the U.S. economy after a disappointing jobs report released last week triggered a flood of Republican criticism that Americans are choosing to stay at home rather than seek new work because unemployment benefits are too generous. Americans want to work. Biden hit back at critics on Monday, noting that since he took office, the U.S. had created the most jobs in the first 100 days of, quote, any U.S. president on record. Biden refuted the notion that unemployment insurance is a driving factor behind an apparent labor shortage and said unemployed Americans can't continue to collect insurance checks if they're offered a suitable job. Oh, well, just make it clear that anyone collecting unemployment who is offered a suitable job must take the job or lose their unemployment benefits. Well, that's what that's I what thought. That's what I thought it was the COVID-19 floor. COVID-19 related exceptions. Oh. So the people yeah. aren't forced to choose between their basic safety and a paycheck. But otherwise, that's the law. But there's a lot well, of people a, that... A lot of gray area there. Since, Friday, since Friday's report, that people are being paid to stay home yep. rather than go to work. True. Well, we don't see much evidence of that. Hmm. Really, Joe? also said he is directing the U.S. Labor Department to work with states to reinstate requirements that those receiving unemployment benefits must demonstrate they are actively looking for work. Republican lawmakers blamed a report last week showing weak job growth on the Democratic president's decision to offer expanded unemployment benefits through August as part of his stimulus plan. So, so there you go. So the president in the White House is trying to say no, that the extended unemployment benefits are not causing people to stay home. Right. I don't know if I a lot of people believe that. I, I disagree. I was talking this weekend for Mother's Day. We'd gone to one of the restaurants and um, for dinner and... My dad's a friend with one of the owners of that all owns multiple restaurants around Cleveland. And he was saying out of 100 applicants, because they're hurting so bad for people out of 100 applicants, only four showed up for an interview. You know, I, well, I also mentioned last week that the restauranteurs, they're, they're going to have the decision to make. Right. You either going to have to pay more wages to attract workers right. or you shut down your business. But in some place, some restaurants, the tips and stuff you're paying. Like I know when I go out to restaurants, I've tipped better during this COVID to try to be helpful. I mean, I know people who are servers that are making really good tips. 
I mean, it's not the hourly, it's the service. And I think now that restaurants are getting busier, have the partitions, you know, they're more at more capacity than they were, it makes a difference. Well, Mickey D's must have been listening to our show right. last week, Harry, because they came out this week. And guess what? They're paying more. They have to pay more. 10% right. increases across the board. They say they need 10,000 workers ASAP. Um, you know, they, they, they just... That they know there's a labor crunch out there. They're not waiting right. around for the federal to say you've got to have a right. fifteen dollar minimum wage. See, see, the markets is controlling the the right. wage, which is the way it should work. Right. All right. Um, the government shouldn't have to mandate it. No, I don't think it should be either. Um, I don't think the government mandates get get you in trouble. Now, now the question is, will the other restaurants have to follow suit? You know, in other words, right. because. If they don't, are they going to attract any workers? Right. Well, I can see the hourly may- paying better, maybe, but not the service as said far as servers. I mean, depending on where you work. Um, so, so you know, again, w- I think that is going to happen. I think the 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 small businesses have to make that decision. It's not an easy decision to make. Now, you know, so we'll talk a lot about Biden inflation, Carrie. That's what we're calling yeah. it, right? Biden inflation. You know, okay. I, I mean, have you, can you, how many people have you talked to in the week are worried about inflation? Many. And so we'll talk a lot about that. We got some consumer price indexes, you know, which right. was, you know, came out, uh, you know, uh, 4.2% year over year. Um, you know, the economists were saying it was, you know, that's faster than the 3.6%, right, that they were, um, you know, looking for. Um, fastest since 2008, okay? Um, the month-to-month gain, you know, 0.8% up, almost 1% mm-hmm. up. You know, over a year, that would be, what, 9.6%. You know, that's that, a that, lot. That's a, that's a lot. Not quite hyperinflation. Right. Remember, what, what do we say hyperinflation was? Double digits. Or when, 50%, well, no. 50% increases per month. Okay. So 0.8 isn't quite 50. No. But right. still, you're going to feel it. Uh, so we'll talk about inflation and, and the definitions. Right. And how do you, if you're worried about inflation, do you need to adjust your financial planning model? That's what the, the power of financial planning is all about. And that's universal whether you're working and saying, geez, I was going to retire soon or I'd like to retire, but now I think I'm going to have to work longer. Or if I'm in retirement and say, boy, maybe I need to tighten my budget or I can't do the things that I wanted to do because I'm worried about that. How do you know? Um, A lot of time people make those decisions based on how they feel about it. And what planning does is we build financial models and do those projections so you know the reality of those projections of hypotheticals of if this happens, that's what it looks like. So, you know, I can spend. Some people can, some people can't. And a lot of things aren't an all or nothing. It's not a yes, no. It's maybe you can't spend X amount, but you can afford to spend this amount. You know, a lot of people think planning or financial stuff in absolutes, and it's not that way. Now, Biden's got a real problem on his hands. If Many problems. Right. But Which part one? of the but part of the problems is that he's he he's having trouble reading the, the teleprompter, right? Or he's he, or if he's not <laughs> reading the teleprompter, he's mixing up things. And okay, I get that. You know, you know that you may misquote, not misquote, but misspeak. But it's often. But when you're the president of the United States, read the teleprompter. Stick to the teleprompter. It does matter. Now, well, it should matter. Clearly, he didn't because he's well. Remember, he was talking about jobs, jobs, jobs. Right. Mm -hmm. That that's his battling cry. The 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 American Jobs Act, which is infrastructure one. You know the the two trillion. So I heard a, a clip where he was saying that he said something like the last five leaders of the Fed. Are coming out and 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 saying his plan is a good one for the economy. I, I disagree with that. Well, I'm thinking. I don't think there could Joe name I don't the think last there, five. I, I don't think there's even five living. I was going to say, can Joe even name the last two? Maybe three. I, I, I can think maybe three two, are living. Yeah. But I'm saying, could he name them? I don't think so. Is he using a, a Ouija board to, <laughs> to, to, to talk maybe. to the other two that are that have you know? So apparently. What the misspeak was, he wasn't. He was referring to a art, a newspaper article that talked about not Federal Reserve people, Carrie, IRS commissioners. 
Well, first of all, it's a little bit different than Federal Reserve, you know, chairman, right? Because IRS commissioners, last time I chance, doesn't set monetary policy for the United States. Nor I was surprised that I, I really don't remember a Fed bank chairman commenting that strongly on fiscal policy. They're supposed to be neutral, right? Not party specific. So that was a little misspeak, right? And the, 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 the article was talking about the IRS commissioners. Not, they were talking about Joe Biden's $2 trillion infrastructure plan. They were talking about, which we also talked about in this show, that his idea that part of that was $80 billion to beef up the IRS, right? right. To go after the tax cheats. Mm-hmm. That's what they were commenting on. But he kind of twisted it a bit. Anyway, so so Joe's got to be careful, right? Um, and he's always misspeaking. That's why I don't even listen to him. I read the headlines. So so we'll we'll talk about Biden inflation, right? And he's he's that's a problem on his hands. Mm. And if he cannot, he's he, got lots of problems. Yeah, and and the midterms are coming fast. Mm-hmm. So and and time is running out on how much they can get done. Right. In other words, as every week goes by, I think there's less of a chance that you'll see retroactive tax increases. Right now, the leader. Well, you could say who is the leader, the leader of the Republican Party. I don't know if it's Trump or if it's, um, you know, cocaine Mitch. But what, you know, cocaine Mitch came out with a red line this week and, and said, we are not interested in changing any of Trump's, you know, Jobs Act package of 2017, which is part of what Joe Biden wants to do with the American Jobs Act. The first infrastructure is to raise, for example, the corporate income tax rate to 28 percent. And the Republicans keep saying we're we're willing to negotiate. We're willing to cross the aisle, but not if you're talking about that. So is there going to be is it just gridlock, Harry? I don't know. It's ridiculous. And so now the question is, how much can the Democrats get done with the budget reconciliation process? You know, and that's where really I've been talking about on the show where probably Joe Manchin mm-hmm. probably has more power right now than Joe Biden. Uh, I believe that, too. Well, good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10, and we're a financial educational talk program here to hopefully talk about issues that may impact your financial life and make you aware that there's plenty of choices out there and things you can do about your financial life to get things in order and opportunities in every situation, because certainly, as Mark mentioned, people are concerned about inflation, future tax increases, low interest rates. People are always worried about market the market volatility and what could happen, especially in a year you might be thinking about retiring or getting closer to retirement. Or if you're in retirement and want to know what you can spend without running out of money. And um, those are things that we help people with at the estate planning team, which sponsors this show. The estate planning team has been around more than 35 years now, um, helping people both who are working and in retirement through comprehensive, detailed planning. We also have hourly planning options for people who need a little bit of help. Um, We have affordable planning. Um, We offer objective unbiased analysis. What we're doing is we do the financial modeling and we do objective detailed analysis so that people understand timing of Social Security, pension elections, spending analysis, IRA distribution planning. You know, if you're working the um, contribution planning, how much you should put it in a 401k versus a Roth 401k or in a traditional IRA or traditional Roth, should you be contributing to the HSA and using opportunities out there? Um, and we offer a free consultation for people who want to know um, if you can benefit from the type of planning we offer. We're not investment advisors, but we do look at your assets in terms of risk, growth, and tax efficiency. And it's important to know your number as far as how much growth you need to make your money last and how much risk you have to take on for that growth rate. Carrie, you're talking about the 4% rule, right. which we're going to talk about today. You know, and I haven't talked about the 4% rule Right. It's been time. a long time. And But today we'll put a little twist on it mm-hmm. and say, 
How would you adjust the 4% rule if you were concerned about higher inflation? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So no, and we offer a free consultation about that. Most of our clients either already work with an investment advisor. What we do is very different and we coordinate and we think it's good that we're talking to one another or clients in many cases now do the investing on their own and you can take advantage of a free consultation. We're doing those by phone or in person, whatever you're more comfortable with um, to see if you can benefit and you're going to get helpful information. We actually do some preliminary analysis. If you send us your numbers and we can do a example model using your information and actually point out things that you might be, should be concerned about. And if you're worried about, maybe you don't need to be worried about the things that you are. Um, And you can take advantage of that free consultation at 440-239-2090. Leave a message. We'll get back to you on Monday. That's 440-239-2090 or visit the website at financialfoodforthought.com. Also, I forgot to mention last weekend, which I should have for Mother's Day, we have some incentives for people that come in um, for the free consultation, which you can check out on our website, or if you call the office, there's a discount on comprehensive retainer fees, or if you select, we have different hourly options. Um, Basically, if you buy blocks of time, it reduces the hourly rate, or you can always go straight hourly. But those are on the website, or you can call me. I will call you back on Monday. That's 440-239-2090 or financialfoodforthought.com. All right. And that's Kara Waddell. My name is Mark Donnelly, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And over those decades, we've certainly had a lot of talk about inflation, Carrie, right? And mm-hmm. how it's important that you are realistic about your cost of living increases throughout your retirement. Mm-hmm. And so some of those general rules, like the 4% rule, which uh, we'll talk about today, you have to sometimes modify that. It's not mm-hmm. that the 4% rule is broken. You'll see a lot of headlines about Oh, it doesn't that. work anymore. Math yeah. isn't broken. Yeah. It's, yeah. Let's get, that'd be like telling Albert Einstein, Albert, Albert, your rule of 72 doesn't work. Because I invested 100000 and and 14 years ago, and it's not worth 200000 well, the first thing you say was, well, what was your actual return? Oh, well, it wasn't 5%. You know, so I, no, math doesn't break. It's just people misuse it. We'll talk about that. Before that, I did mention last week, and, and we had some clients get some fan mail from the IRS already, Carrie. And this mm-hmm. has to deal with the new situation that we had for the 2020 tax filing season, where the returns were extended till May 17th. For those out who haven't filed yet, that's okay. Monday. Right. Now, we're taping the show on Friday morning, but, you know, you haven't told Monday. Also, if, you know, so it doesn't leave you a lot of time, you'll be hearing the show on Saturday. But some people, we got some calls about that. Some people thought, was it the 15th? No, actually, because of the weekend, the government extended to the 17th. Mm-hmm. But the issue is the first quarter estimates were not extended from April 15th. Now, a lot of taxpayers in the, in historically, if they had an overpayment, on their tax return, instead of opting for the refund, right. they would opt to have it apply to the estimated taxes for the next year. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, because and that was actually some part of their planning. In other right. words, they're saying, I'm going to, you know, it's okay if I'm overshooting. I'm not worried about making a first quarter estimate, or I don't like making those, right. I don't like those silly coupons and, you know, doing that every quarter. Mm-hmm. So I'm just getting in the habit, I'm just going to, take if there's an overpayment i'll apply it to next year's taxes okay now normally that we were under the understanding that that was you know that overpayment applied was good to cover the first quarter estimate i would think that'd be a fairly reasonable assumption however it's our government but not you know and i'm not here (laughs) to defend the logic fairness or simplicity of the internal revenue code. I was going to say, because I don't think you could. <laughs> Just here to talk about the rules. So the IRS clarified that, no, that may not be the case. You may not be able to use your 2020 overpayment to apply to your 2021 April 15th first quarter estimate. Okay. Now, here's some of the clarification letter that was issued by the IRS. If an individual taxpayer has a 2020 overpayment and elects to credit the 2020 overpayment against the 2021 estimated tax, the date on which the 2020 overpayment is applied against the 2021 estimated tax depends on A, the date of the payment, 
B, the extent to which an overpayment exists as of April 15th, 2021. Okay. An extension of time to file has no effect on either the date of payment or the date on which the overpayment exists. Okay. The letter goes on to say the IRS added that to the extent that there turns out to be an overpayment of 2020 taxes as of April 15th, 2021, because payments were made on or before April 15th, 2021, exceeded the taxpayer's 2020 tax liability. And the taxpayer makes a valid election to apply the overpayment to 2021 estimated tax. The overpayment would be applied as of April 15, 2021. Whether the 2020 return is filed on April 15th, May 17th, or the extended date, October 15th. So they're saying as long as the payments were actually in. So the, the, the common case there is if you all the withholding taxes was on a W-2. Mm-hmm. So obviously you had all your taxes paid in by December right. 31st. So now you qualify that if you have an overpayment, you know, that that could, you know, credit it, you know, that would cover the first quarter estimate. They go, the letter goes on to say, to the extent an overpayment of the 2020 tax is attributable to a payment made after April 15th, again, in other words, if you are filing on May 17th and have a payment due, or you're filing an extension by May 17th and are making an extension payment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that overpayment would not be available for crediting as of April 15th, 2021, and would be applied as the payment received date, not as April 15th, 2021. Okay, and then if you want more information, the IRS goes on to give examples, you know, that is somewhat, you know, help you understand that. But here's my point, Carrie. So should you, first of all, you know, what do you do? In other words, don't panic, (laughs) And, and by the way, can I just say it again? If you do get some fan mail from the IRS, don't panic. And I think a lot of people do. I, I think so, too. But I think how many times have we had clients, if it's been they've done an IRA rollover, they've done, you know, sometimes you get it and things need to be clear up. Sometimes, you know, the IRS does make mistakes, too. And sometimes it, they're just asking for clarification. Right. They're looking for more information. And in in all the changes that we've had, I expect that to increase, (laughs) quite honestly. You know, did you get the stimulus check or not? You know, did did you get the unemployment or not? You know, how much of your unemployment is taxable or not? I think there's a lot of complexity out there that there could be the IRS robots kicking out fan mail. Right. So don't panic. All right. First, you have to determine if what they're, like in this case, which is a general release of information, does it apply to you or not? Mm-hmm. All right. And if you don't know, you you got to start working with your tax preparer. Right. If you don't know what questions to be asking your tax preparer, we do. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of coordination with our clients' tax preparers. As a matter of fact, I, I can't tell you how many three-way phone calls I've had over the last 18 months. A lot. And, and, and that gets you a better solution, mm-hmm. right? Now, let's say it does apply to you. Let's say you're in that that example where IRS is saying, hey, Mr. Taxpayer, you can't apply this, or if you, you can't apply your overpayment, but it's not going to count to cover your first quarter estimate. Okay, you have to find another solution. Right. All right. As a matter of fact, we, most of you, if you've listened to the show, and you can always go back and listen to our podcast, many, many times we're saying we don't, you know, especially for our clients in retirement, you know, I don't know if making quarterly estimates is always the best plan. Right. Now, a lot of people who are working aren't making quarterly estimates because they're having enough W-2 withholding to cover liability. The payroll departments do a pretty darn good job right. of doing the right amount of withholding. Now, if you've got a lot of outside income that's not you know reported on your W-2, you may have to add quarterly estimates. Or but maybe a better solution is why don't you just adjust the withholding that you're doing? Instead of worrying about a quarterly Because the beauty of withholding is as long as it's withheld, you know, by December 31st in the current year, the government still treats it as coming in evenly throughout the whole year. So withholding, like increasing your withholding on, uh, you know, W-2, obviously, but let's say you're already retired. Well, are you getting a pension? 
you know, you could make a withholding election on your pension. Are you getting Social Security? You can make a federal withholding election on Social Security. Are you uh, taking money out of IRAs? You can make a withholding, you know, election on IRAs. Are you just doing your RMDs? You can make a withholding right. election on RMDs. I could go on and on. You know, are you taking annuity distributions, uh, whether they're in your IRA or non-qualified annuity distributions? You have withholding elections there. You have options and choices. And that's a way you can work out a solution. So, you know, if you're not having these discussions with your tax preparer and yet you feel that you are in this group that, you know, you were relying that you didn't make a first quarter estimate back on April 15th because you knew when you filed your return on May 17th and you made a payment that that would cover that if there was an overpayment. Mm -hmm. Okay, don't panic. Let, you know, let's first, you know, go through the steps and and let's see if we can work out a solution. And if you don't know what questions to be asking your CPAs, we do. Right. And that's a good reason or an example of taking advantage of a free consultation that we offer. And again, we've been around Cleveland more than 35 years serving people and individuals and families and business owners and offer the free consultation to see if you can benefit. I don't know if we can help. I know we can't help everyone, but we'll let you know at the consultation what we can do for you and how much it's going to cost to work with us. And you can call 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. That's 440-239-2090 or financialfoodforthought.com. Remember, we have incentives if you come in for that free consultation, which is by phone or in person, if you decide to use any of our services. All right. Thank you, Karen. So before we start talking more about Bidenflation, right, um, uh, just a little another uh, brief. It looks like the SECURE Act 2 is happening, Karen. Okay. Um, now, it's not law yet. And for those not familiar, you know, we had the Secure Act One, right, which was passed, you know, at the end of 2019, which everybody forgot about. Right? Did you forget the, the acronym? Okay, that was the Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement. Yeah, I forgot about that, but okay. I just know with COVID, it seemed like in the CARES Act, it got lost. Yeah, it happened, and then we had the COVID shutdown, and and everything, you know, hit the fan. Mm-hmm. Everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah. That's a nicer way to Can put it. Can we just go back to our future? <laughs> now, so, but at, at the time, I was saying that th- there was a Secure Act 2 in the makings. Now, that is apparently back on the table, the front burner. They're calling a little bit different. This time, they're calling it Securing a Strong Retirement Act of 2021. Mm-hmm. So what would that acronym carry? Be? Securing S- retirement. S- S- Sassar. <laughs> I think I like. <laughs> all right. Um, now it's not law yet. All right, mm-hmm. but there is bipartisan support for it. And so, what would this do? Well, we we you know one of the things. Okay, it would expand automatic 401k and 403b enrollment. Now, is that a big... If anyone wants to contribute to a 401k, it's really not that difficult to set up. I was going to say, yeah. Or 403b. I mean, but apparently they're saying that's a great benefit. They have automatic enrollment. Yeah, who's saying that? Um, Okay, the, what, wow. more, what our listeners are probably more interested in is that they're going to raise the RMD date again. So the Secure Act 1 raised it from 70 and a half to 72. This act would raise it from 72 to 75. Okay, which for us, that could be, or for many people out there, that's a huge planning opportunity. Now, it will be phased in over a few years, Carrie. Okay, but still. So it, it, for uh, as of starting January 1st of 2022, it would be age 73, then... Um, then 74 starting in 2029. Okay. A little bit more than a few years. Right. Mm-hmm. And then finally to age 75 in 2032. So that's a little bit different than what we were hearing a year ago. Right. When it was just, they weren't giving us that detail. Mm-hmm. It was just going from 72 to 75. Right. So we all thought they meant immediately like the increase from right. 70 and a half to 72. Well, apparently they've changed that, and it really wouldn't get to age seventy-five until twenty thirty-two. Okay, so that is um, that's a mixed bag there. Okay, um, 
They would say that the IRA catch-up contribution limits would be adjusted for inflation in the future. That's that extra 1000 that you can do if you're over age 50, Carrie. That has not gone up with inflation. Every people, a lot of people have been complaining about that. Um, you know, with Biden, Biden inflation coming, maybe they're saying we better put that in there. That uh, that would start in 2023 under this bill if this gets passed. Um, increased catch-up contribution limits for some employees, so this change would add opportunities to save for employees ages 62 to 64 who have a workplace retirement plan, raising the catch-up there. Um, contribution to 10,000, where the current one is, you know, 5,000 or you know, 10,000 for most types of workplace retirement plans, 5,000 for simple plans. Um, what else is in here? Reduce RMD penalties, Carrie. Oh, because it's 50% currently. Right. And that is a steepest penalty, I think, in the our internal revenue right. code. Um, a lot, I don't think a lot of people pay the 50%. No, because there's a form you can waive it. There's a bunch of reasons. But they want to, the, so this uh, Secure Act 2, or Securing a Strong Retirement Act, would reduce the penalty to 25%. And provide the opportunity to further soften the penalty to 10% by quickly correcting the mistake and withdrawing the full required amount. So, not law yet, mm-hmm. but it gives a little bit more clarification of what they're thinking. And apparently, there's still bipartisan support to get this thing done. Whereas, I don't know if I think there's more bipartisan, bipartisan support to get this done than perhaps the uh, American Jobs Act, the $2 trillion infrastructure right. package. All right. And that's another reason. Take advantage of a free consultation. And um, I had someone we're working with that had a consultation this year. She was a widow, 64, still working full time. And her plan was she was going to work till um, 65. She had just turned 64 because she thought she had to. She was going to work till 65 because of Medicare. Or then she was thinking about working till 67 or 66 or or six months because of her full retirement age. And she hates her job. She's tired of it. She's been there many, many years, a lot of changes. And, you know, when we're crunching the numbers here, she's planning on staying a job just because of medical or when she doesn't have to. Um, and running the numbers and building those expenses um, with price tags and time frames, we've been able to show her, hey, she could walk away tomorrow. Um, and doing enough numbers. Now she said she'll probably stay till the end of the year, but there's a different mentality. I think going to work when you know you can leave and you don't have to stay. Absolutely. For people, there's people that come in and they've stayed, they said they wanted to stop work. So we run a plan saying you're not going to stop working at this date a lot earlier. And some people continue to stay on for a year or two, but it's a different mentality knowing I can, I don't have to be here anymore. And, you know, knowing that and for her, it's a huge relief. So, I mean, there's lots of case examples. I'm going to try to talk about brief ones over the next few shows that how we help people um, that are thinking, hey, I can't ever do this. In reality, I can. And even if you can't, maybe it's, hey, is it worth working longer if it means this travel budget or the thing? Maybe you want to get a new home scenario. Um, for some people, it will be worth it. Other people won't. But it's it's knowing and having enough information to make good decisions. I hear on the phone, Mark, saying we run enough analysis so decision making is easy. Yeah, it, it's it's that idea that we, you know, one of the axioms we always talk about on this show is that, you know, we understand all models are wrong. But you know what? Some are useful. Mm-hmm. And that's what our planning process, it leads the clients into a decision-making mode. You know, I, I, I often, you know, said that I'm not really big on like the Monte Carlo analysis. And, and, the, and the Monte Carlo analysis, you can find those out on the Internet. A lot of the investment advisors use those because they, mm-hmm. you know, they, they don't spend a lot of time on that. They just, you know, find one. But I, I've always found that the Monte Carlo analysis never left our clients, Carrie, in a decision-making mode. Right. It just got them some obscure thing back, like saying, oh, well, you've got an 88.5% chance of not running out of money. And it's like, well, okay, so am I okay or I'm not? Or, right. well, well, how much more can I travel then? Or how much travel, if I want it to be 90%, how much travel do I got to cut back? There's right. no, It doesn't really mean anything. 
the, if you come in for a consultation, you, we can show you an example of our process, which we believe leads to a much better decision-making mode because we bring you along. You know, the problem with that Monte Carlo analysis a lot of times is the robots, you're just at, it's asking you 30 questions, but sometimes a robot may forget you a lot of questions to ask. Well, and I think even though you know you're going to be okay, a huge part is for this client I'm working with, for a woman, Okay, when wages end, her fear is, I want to make sure that I have a Social Security check. Well, you don't have to wait for that Social Security check, and she's extremely healthy. She has longevity in her family. It makes more sense to delay Social Security to age 70, get the higher amount, and take distributions from her company plan that she was stashing away and her husband's IR, spousal, the spousal IRA she rolled over and, you know, Take do distributions from those to create the income she needs and then shift it to a Roth. So it's how do I put that all together? Because I think a lot of people that are working say when wages end, what happens next? And that's what we can help with. So take advantage of a free consultation at 440-239-2090 or financialfoodforthought.com. All right. So, okay, we're going to talk about Bidenflation. Now, I we've heard the Federal Reserve keep saying that, yes, expect inflation you know, happening, um, but it's transitory. So, so now the question carries, well, you, you know, which is more transitory, higher inflation or the Biden administration at this point? Because I can almost guarantee you if in, the inflation is, is becomes no longer transitory, meaning it's ongoing, I think right. the Biden administration is over. Hmm. We can only hope. So that's our new burrito bet, Carrie. You know, <laughs> I would hope. Which which you think is going to, you know, which uh, is more transitory, higher inflation or the Biden administration? Mm. Um, let's see. Now, we actually, uh, well, I guess I'll start, Carrie, by what do we mean by inflation, right? Or hyperinflation, right? Um. And all right, so everyone kind of has an idea of what inflation is. Well, what's deflation? Because sometimes that's thrown around. Well, deflation is a decline in price for goods and services, such that happens when the inflation dips below 0%. So no one's concerned about that today, right? How about stagflation? Okay, stagflation is where you have a recession and inflation going on at the same time. You know, when inflation is high and the economic growth rate slows and unemployment remains steadily high. All right. Um, that is not a good situation economically. Right. right. That's what happened in the, you know, the 73, 75 recession. And again, it happened in, in 78 to 81. So stagflation is something that like the Federal Reserve is really concerned about. Right. Because it really, you know, presents a dilemma for, you know, economic policy since the actions intended to lower inflation may exasperate unemployment. So that's what the Fed's always been saying. Their dual mandate is that they, they want price stability, meaning inflation around 2%, but they also want full maximum employment, right? Mm -hmm. um, and even, you know, I heard Loretta Mester, you know, she's the CEO of Cleveland Fed's bank, you know, Fed uh, Federal Reserve Bank, Kerry. Cleveland, um, mm -hmm. our own here. And she was interviewed on Bloomberg this week. And, you know, that's what she kept stating. It's not that, you know, she they asked her, well, is the recovery going as expected? And she says, well, it's probably what we should expect. You know, they know there's a lot of pent-up demand. They know that people are still concerned about vaccinations, whether they're working or not working. What are they carrying, Carrie? What are they calling the cases of people who have been fully vaccinated and get breakthroughs, right? Okay. So the breakthrough are the are the individuals who have been fully vaccinated right. and still getting the virus. Right. As a matter of fact, Carrie, over the Which last... that happens with flu vaccine and... Right. As a matter of fact, Carrie, I've, I've had one client that he right. was a breakthrough right. that I found out last week. That's a scary thought, right? And the supply shortages. You know, we've all heard, well, the gas shortages, you know, with oh, the, geez, the, what yeah. that had to do with the, the, the sabotagers. But like the, the semiconductor chips, right, that's affecting all industries, whether you're talking about Apple iPhones, right. automobiles, or, you know, farm equipment, right? Caterpillar was saying it's going to. But 
what Mester was saying is that they do not see that as ongoing. They think like the semiconductor chips will be back, you know, maybe six to nine months, but it's okay. not going to be a permanent. It's not going to set a new trend of higher inflation on semiconductor chips. Also, you know, the idea that there, you know, she commented in on the issue of whether the additional unemployment benefits were causing people to stay home. A negative effect, right? Mm-hmm. And she said, much as it was, was maybe not a direct correlation or a cause and effect, she does believe that there is a, an idea that part of the issue is that the children, your kids are still at home. The daycares aren't, haven't reopened yet. Which is tough. The homeschooling and, and moms are staying home. What, can, what else can they do? That's tough. And if they can get paid for staying home, it makes staying home an easier decision. It depends on your kid, I would think. (laughs) I don't know. So she's saying, yeah, maybe there is some truth to that. But I think also they asked her, well, like Bill Dudley, a former Fed, you know, chairperson, you know, came out and said that. The Fed's making a mistake. They're 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 not acting quick enough, or or you know they're they're being too pay and 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 it's going to be too little, too late, right? And and they're or that that when they do act, they're going to have to act a lot quicker, a lot more severe, which could you know throw everything into reverse. And you know Loretta Mester, Cleveland Fed chair, said, "No, I don't believe that's the case." Okay. She believes that the fund, you know, the Fed understands the risk, you know, faster or slower, you know, inflation, but they are prepared and will act appropriately. They are watching the data very closely. That's why they're not adjusting their policy quite yet. But they say they are well positioned right now for either an upside or downside risk that may materialize. And that's a good place to be. Now, a lot of people don't believe them. I, I heard Glenn Beck. I talked about Glenn Beck. I love right. Glenn Beck. I was, but, I mean, come on, Glenn, really? He came out last week and said, there is no tomorrow for the U.S. dollar. Glenn, really? Um, how about Larry Summers? Not so. Not, well, I don't know. think people listen to Glenn Beck for sunshine and roses and <laughs> rainbows. <laughs> yeah. So how about Larry Summers, you know, former top economic advisor for the Obama and Clinton administrations? Policymakers at the Fed and the White House need to recognize that the risk of a Vietnam inflation scenario is now greater than the deflation risk on which they were originally focused. Yeah, no one's worried about deflation anymore. I get that, Larry. All right. Whatever was the case a few months ago, it should now be clear that overheating, not excess slack, is the dominant economic risk following the U.S. over the next year or two. So there's a lot of people who don't believe the Fed, but the Fed is not going to bow down. And they've made that very clear right. to mm-hmm. Wall Street. you know. And that's not the problem I have always had with investment advisors, Gary. They act too quickly. I'm sorry. Right. And they want you to act too quickly. Right. I think investment advisors actually live in the next 60 minutes. Right. And anytime you're asking them, they're giving you an answer what they think you should do in the next 60 minutes. Well, I think that's true of any advisor. I mean, you don't have to make quick decisions. You're allowed to think about it. Yeah. And, you're and allowed to ask questions. It's like, go, you know. Right. And the Federal Reserve has no concern for Wall Street uh, pricing policies. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to make their decisions, change their policy based on. um, Geez, Mark, when you said that, it reminded me how many clients have come in and bought something they didn't need, didn't understand, or really they didn't understand what it did, what it was for, what the purpose. It just sounded good at the time. You know, make sure that you're getting the right thing at the right time. Jeez. So, all right. So it, we maybe we're in a period of reflation, Carrie. That's the act of stimulating the economy by increasing the money supply. We certainly did that. Mm-hmm. Or by reducing taxes. Well, I don't know if we're doing that. Seeking to bring the economy, you know, specifically the price levels, back up to the long-term trend following a dip in a business cycle. See, that's what Messer is kind of saying is that they, the Fed right now does not believe that a higher inflation is a long-term trend. They think it's just we got to get back to the future. 
Um, other people are thinking we're going to have cost push inflation. So here you've heard that okay. term. So cost push inflation, that occurs when overall prices increase due to the increase in the cost of wages. We're seeing that, right? And raw materials. And we're seeing that. Higher cost of production can decrease the aggregate supply, uh, the amount of production in the economy. Since the demand for goods hasn't changed, the price increase from productions are passed on to consumers, creating what we term cost push inflation. So, yeah, we may have some of that. So, so do you have to change your plan? So, you know, Kara, we talk a lot about the 4% rule on this show, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're not familiar with the 4% rule, that's the idea, you know, put forth by William Benjamin back in 1994. Uh, Billy was a pretty smart guy. You know, he was a CFP. Um, he has an MIT aeronautical engineering degree. Hmm. Um, run, he could have led with that. <laughs> you know, ran his own family soft drink business for a long, long time. And then, you know, in his later encore career, decided to become a financial planner, you know, a investment advisor. And he, you know, kept being asked by his clients the idea of, hey, what is a safe withdrawal rate when I go into retirement? Meaning when I retire and the wages end and I have my investment nest egg, how much can I take out without being at a risk of running out? Right. And his study, which was quite in depth, I don't have time to go into the whole study right now, but is now known as the 4% rule. And basically, it's the idea that, you know, you could start taking out 4% of your nest egg in the first year, and then you can increase that withdrawal by a rate of inflation. He was smart enough to build in inflation, the idea that you want to maintain your retirement lifestyle, right? So that's why you have to build in the inflation factor. Now, there are a couple of parameters just to why we see all the articles that are written saying the 4% rule is broken. And we, our contention, at least my contention, it's not broken. People are just misusing it. Right. And the basic ones are you have to assume an investment rate of return. Mm-hmm. Okay, and everybody has different ideas on that. Benjamin used 5%. Right. Another one is you've got to assume the time period. How long do you need the money to last? Benjamin used 30 years. That may be your time frame. It may not be. Okay. Then we talked about the uh, how much inflation you're going to build in. Right. I'm going to use 3.5%, for example. Okay. So under those parameters, let's say, and let's keep the, the math simple. You know, let's say you're starting your retirement at age 65, so that 30 years would take you to 94. Carrie, is that long enough? Maybe. Maybe not. If you're starting at 60, maybe 30 isn't long enough. You have to modify the 4% rule. For, Depends you know. what you want. Exactly. Now, I, so let's say you have a million dollars. So obviously the first year you take out $40,000. Okay. All right. And then you've got the balance of the investments, 960000 that'll earn 5%. And then that, so at the end of the year, you wind up with $108,000,000, a little bit higher than we started because right. you took out four, but you earned five. Okay. And then you keep the same 5% ongoing, mm-hmm. the, the investment return, right? But what you do is in the second year, you don't take out 4% of $1,008,000, no, that's where a lot of people make the mistake. Right. What you do is you take out 3.5% more than you did in year one. To account for day-to-day inflation. Right. Now, so, okay, so in the second year, for example, you're taking out 41400 By age 80, you're taking out 67000 By age 85, you're taking out 80000 And by age 94, you're taking out 108000 Now, also... The, under that scenario, you're going to spend the last hour in the last day. So, in other words, it's it's it, what that's what he did. And if you wanted to, if you were in that camp, you wanted your million dollars to be zero when you're 94 years old or at the end of 30 years. That's not everybody's plan, by the way. Some people want to leave an inheritance, Carrie, right? Right. So you'd have to adjust. All right. Um, now, you can also so any of those parameters you can modify to make it for your own circumstances. All right. Um, like we've talked on the show about what if you think 5% is too rosy? Well, you could run it at 4%. 
Right. Okay, now the 4% rule becomes 3.57%, for example, Carrie. Okay. Um, you could say, well, 30 years isn't long enough. You can say, well, you know, what if you ran it for 35 years at a 4% investment rate of return? More conservative. Okay, now the 4% rule becomes 3.1%. If and as, Now, these numbers work so well on radio, Carrie, right? But right. if you want to see these, come in for, you know, a consultation, and we can share this. Now, but what today, in the, in the remaining time, I want to talk about – well, what happens if you change the inflation factor? Because you're worried about Biden inflation. Okay. Right. Um, so now, so let's say we change the three and a half percent. Let's double it, Carrie. Okay. Now, chances are you're, it's not going to stay up forever, right? True. Okay. So let's build it for three years. Okay. Let's say we have this, we have double what, you know, a 7% inflation in the first three years that you're retiring. Okay. All right. So how would that adjust the 4% rule? Can you do that math in your head, Carrie? I cannot. Okay. So in other words, for the, for the first three years, um, we're going to assume the three, not 3.5% inflation, but 7% inflation. And then for the remaining years, we're back to 35 Okay. No, we can't do that math in our head, but the robots can do it pretty quickly, right? So now the 4% rule becomes 3.71%. And instead of taking out $40,000 in the first year, you would want to adjust that downwards to 37,100. Okay. That's about a 7.25% cut. Can you do that? Can you find the budget to cut 7.25%? Some people can, some people can. So do you then assume um, that you're going to work longer or, you know, that these are the choices that leaves you into decision-making mode, right? Um, but let's go one step further than that, Carrie. Let's go to double-digit inflation. Okay. Let's go 10% inflation. Not quite hyperinflation. Ouch. Let's, what if we had 10% double-digit inflation for the first three years of this plan? Mm. Now we're really in trouble, right? All right. Well, if we did that, keeping the same 5% rate of return, same 30-year time period, the 4% becomes 3.44%. Hmm. Hmm. So instead of taking out 40000 in the first year, you would reduce that down to 34400 Okay, that's about a 14% cut. Okay. Is that possible? Now, I don't know, but at least are you now getting the concept of should you make a knee-jerk reaction if we do see Biden inflation in the next few years that you have to adjust your retirement plan either by making huge cuts in spending or perhaps by working longer if you haven't retired yet. We could go we could go on and on. Now, we typically, for one of our clients, Carrie, if we're going through this analysis, we may run through 10 or 15 of these analysis. It just, well, because we can say, well, what happens if you think you can only get 4% already return with double-digit inflation? Right. You know, whatever, you know, you know, now. But I don't think you need to be jumping off the bridge right now worried about hyperinflation. By the way, if we had hyperinflation for a year, mm-hmm. you know, 50% month-on-month yeah. increases, Okay, if your grocery bill right now is $500 a month, okay. do you know after a year with hyperinflation what it would be? What? 43249 Yeah, that's a big difference. I don't think we have to worry about <laughs> hyperinflation right now. Let's hope not. All right, get us out of here. Karen. All right, call for a free consultation at 440-239-2090 or financialfoodforthought.com and have a great weekend. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.